Welcome to Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Grown Up Kids. This episode is sponsored by Juliet Green. Thank you, Juliet. Thank you, and thank you for having a very easy name for me to pronounce. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. And today we're being joined by return guest and good friend Jocelyn. Hey, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And for the first time, we'd like to welcome Sam. How you doing? Hi, excited to be here. So, we have a new guest this week, which means we get to do a Disney profile again. It's been a while. It has been a while, I think. Uh, So, how did you get into Disney? Okay, so, like a lot of guests on your podcast, I don't really remember getting into Disney. It's just kind of always been there since I was a kid. My sister and I had, you know, the cliche shelf full of Disney VHS clamshell cases just like (laughs) I think a lot of listeners can relate to Mm -hmm. um I know I asked my mom and dad and they both said that they remembered watching the wonderful world of Disney on television when they were kids and I think uh I think my mom was excited to buy Disney movies for her own kids once we came along and my dad loved taking us to the movie theater he took me to see the Lion King and Toy Story I think those might have been the my first two movies that I had seen in theaters. So I would have been like two years old and then three years old. And uh, I don't really remember it, but apparently I told him I did not like toy story when we left the theater because (gasps) that kid Sid was just way too mean to his toy. (laughs) 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 He always tells me about that. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's one of my favorite movies now. (laughs) (laughs) That was also my first movie in the theater. Toy story. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess three-year-old me was feeling like Sid was a bit too mean, but um, current me does not remember saying that, so. (laughs) I mean, I don't blame you, but. So, we know your favorite character isn't Sid, but who would your favorite character be? So, this is a tough one, and I thought through a lot of characters before coming on here, Um, because it's always hard to pick a favorite and it's always easier to break characters down into categories and pick your favorites from there. But if I have to go with one, it's going to be Nala from The Lion King. Oh, I like that one. I don't think we've had anybody say Nala yet. No. She is just like, she's like a strong and confident character who's also really playful and fun and she's funny And I think as a kid, I felt like she was someone who would be really fun to be friends with, Um, which might be because looking back at the movie, like she's a really great friend to Simba throughout the whole movie. Um, Like she goes on all the adventures with him and like if he gets into trouble, she's right there with him. And then when they're grown up um, and reconnect, she's like encouraging him and everything. So that's probably where I got the feeling that she would just be someone who'd be awesome to have as a friend. She's and then a I fierce think... friend. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But she's no, just absolutely. like one of those characters that's a fierce friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, if you were friends with Nala, like, she'd be there for you. Yeah. She's that personality. Yeah. Um, and then I think as I've gotten older and I now have the ability to, like, overanalyze movies to a very annoying <laughs> point, <laughs> that's when I think she started to stand out as a favorite because 
I can recognize that she's a strong female character where there's not really an emphasis put on that fact that she's a strong female character. She just is. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really make a big deal about that in the movie. Like, look, she's a girl, but she can do a lot of strong things. Like, she just does it. And they never really mention it. And I like that. Um, and I like that she has, like, this sense of adventure. And, you know, she's just as tough as Simba, like, wrestling with him as kids. And then um, when they're adults and she finds him again, like, she's kind of the one that has this strong moral compass and, like, this sense of right and wrong. And she's kind of encouraging him to go back to his homeland and defend his family and like stand up for himself. And so she's kind of, I just see her as like a tough character who would get things done. And I like her personality a lot. I'm going to go as far as say she's stronger than Simba because Pinji again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite line. <laughs> yeah. They My have friend a... got a pin that says that. I was just going to say that. I, I have, have that pin. <laughs> I have that pin too. Yeah. And I love it because it's not just the line, but it's also a pun because it's a pin. Yeah. Whoa, it just blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah, I like that pin. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. What is your favorite Disney movie? Okay. So unlike the characters, uh, favorite movie was easy for me. It's The Lion King. It's always been The Lion King. Um. It's one of those things, I don't know if you have any of these in your life, but it's one of those things where if you asked me to pick a second favorite Disney movie, that would be really hard because I would start thinking through all of them. But if you ask for my top favorite, like it has never strayed from The Lion King. It's just in that slot and it just stays there. Dedicated. Yeah. Yeah. Mine Um, changes all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. I, like I like I said, I think Lion King's locked in. But if you asked me my second favorite, it would be just it would change all the time, just like you said. At this uh, moment in time, what's your second favorite? Right now, it, <laughs> she's like, oh no, I didn't prep this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think right now it's uh, the Princess and the Frog. I nice, like underrated, yeah. needs more love. Yeah, yeah great mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. love that one a lot. We need to watch that one again. I think mm-hmm. you like strong female characters. Who are independent. <laughs> yeah, you know, it would probably be safe to say that. <laughs> good role models. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good role models, people I would look up to. All right, so if you've been to a Disney park, what would you say your favorite is? And if you haven't been, what would be your guess? Okay, so I have been. Um, I've only been to Disney World in Florida one time when I was in second grade. And I know my favorite was Animal Kingdom because it had that giant tree. Mm -hmm. And I just remember loving that. And that's where all the animals were. And I was a huge animal lover. So that was definitely my favorite park. In more recent years, um, it's become Disneyland just because now I live in California. So I've been able to go there a bit more. And I had never been when I was a kid. So right now I would say Disneyland. Disneyland's classic. And there's a magic mm-hmm. area you just can't get Recreate. anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. The minute you walk through the doors, it's just like you're in a totally different universe and it, yep. it's magical. It's wonderful. I love me some Disneyland. And not like we've said this before, but like their food's way better at Disneyland. <laughs> their, food, <laughs> their food is way better. <laughs> um, all right. What is your favorite Disney memory? Okay. So I 
thought about this and decided to choose one from my childhood, which is one of my favorite Disney memories because it's not a memory from being at the parks or like watching a movie, but it's just kind of a Disney thing that my sister and I took out into the world with us. So when we were kids, um, my parents would take my sister and I to this like nature preserve in our town. It was this protected land where you could pet some cows and sheep they had there and you could walk all the beautiful trails through the woods. And where I grew up in Massachusetts was a really woodsy area. So it was always really beautiful and you could like really go into the forest. And so we used to go on nature walks there a lot. And there was this one trail that took you over a really small wooden bridge like seeing it now that I'm an adult, the bridge is tiny, like you're a few feet above a stream. But as a kid, it was this really cool wooden bridge. Uh, and my sister and I would always make my mom or whoever was with us stop on the bridge so we could play poo sticks. Oh, that's awesome. And oh, nice. spend like a solid chunk of time finding the right sticks because, you know, they had to look different enough that you could tell each other's apart. Um, and then we would drop them on the one side and watch them come out the other side. And I think usually we'd, we would convince whichever adults were with us that day to also play. Um, <laughs> and so between me and her, we named it Pooh Sticks Bridge. I think it's actually way too small of a bridge to even have a name, <laughs> uh, an official name, but it's Pooh Sticks Bridge to us. And I just, I will always like love that memory. And we have photos of us on Pooh Sticks Bridge and I just love it. That's, awesome. That's so cute. I hate when that happens, though, when you're a kid and, like, something seems, like, so big and grand and then you go back to it as an adult and you're like, wait, is this, this is the same place? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very small and very short bridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, oddly enough, you can still keep it in your head, like, how it was as a kid. Like, oh my god, it was like this... How it felt. It was so, so tall. Large. We were so far above the creek. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's the cool thing about your imagination because mm -hmm. you can still think back to it being just as big. Yeah, that's super cute. I love that. That is cute. Yeah. <laughs> so now on to not as cute talk. <laughs> we are going to be discussing <laughs> the light in the forest. Discussing or disgusting? Oh. 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 <laughs> A riveting, <laughs> low blow. riveting conversation about the Johnny slash True Son. Yeah, Johnny and Fess Parker. <laughs> so it's time for the thirty second Disney Dash. <laughs> Can we just talk about the excitement in your voice? And, I'm sorry, uh, guys. I feel like Fess it's been Parker. a while since we've had an episode like this, but I just really. Some people wait for my reaction on the movie before they even try and watch it, and I'm telling you now, this was no bueno. This was not a good one. I'm trying to give, <laughs> I'm trying to give these episodes a name, like a Disney Downer, you know, like instead of a Debbie Downer. A Disney Downer. Disney Downer. It was, to me at least. It, yeah. No, I, I second that. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay. They're not all good, and I'm not going to pretend like they're all good. Because right. I want to be honest with you guys. But we and watched you know it. what? If you guys think it's not bad, then let us know why. I would love to know somebody's reason why as to if they really do, like, love this film for some reason. Because I just couldn't get into it. And sometimes when we hear from someone else, it changes the view in our own eyes. Which is kind of nice. Like, that's what happened on episode one. Snow White. Snow White. I now love it. So, bring I it on. I super appreciate that movie. Bring it I, on, grown-up kids. Yeah. So, tell us why you like it if you do. But let's Off do our let's do our Disney dashes. Okay. I'm gonna go first because I always do. Okay. 
Okay. Let's see how uh how well I do. Alright, I always hit the wrong one. I'm ready. You ready? Mm-hmm. Set. Go. So we have Johnny. He was raised by Indians, but then they have to make a deal. The white men come and make a deal to like get all of the prisoners back. Even though Johnny doesn't want to go with them, they make him. He has to incorporate himself with the white people who are his family, but he doesn't see them as his family. And then there's arguing, pursues, and he ends up going back to the Indians, and then they don't like him anymore either, and he has to go back to the white people. (laughs) (laughs) That was so accurate, though. (laughs) It's only eight seconds. I love it. I love it. Thank you. All right, let's have a let's have a listener guest go next who would like to be brave. Nobody. <laughs> All right. I'll do it. Okay, Sam. <laughs> On your mark. Okay. Get I practice set. my speed talking for this. Ooh, ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> On your mark. Get set. Go. True son's super mad because he's forced to return to his birth parents and live with all the white people, so he reluctantly starts learning the white man's culture, but then he finds out the white man killed his tribe member, so he goes back to his tribe, and as revenge for the murder, the Indians attack the white settlers. But, whoa, True son warns the white settlers. They escape the Indian ambush. True son is exiled from his tribe. He returns to the white village. He fist fights Uncle Wilsey because apparently that's all you need to do to be accepted by the entire village, and then he gets a girlfriend. <laughs> that was great. 25 <laughs> seconds. That was excellent. <laughs> Perfect. That was great. I love it. Thanks. Oh. I made my husband listen to that a few times so I could get it down. <laughs> I think that's my favorite. Is like, oh People man, I said this to my coworker a hundred times. Or, yeah, <laughs> it's the best. Whereas here's me and Meg. We're like, uh, we didn't prepare one today. <laughs> it's my thing now to not. I like have to just continue that trend. Can I just get it over with, Jocelyn? Do you mind? Go, go right ahead. Okay, because I didn't prepare it, and I'm just going to bomb it, so. Just copy what I said. It was perfect. I don't remember what you said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready? Yep. Set. Go. True son's an Indian, but Johnny is white, and he has to go and live with his white parents again, even though he doesn't want to. And he falls in love with this girl, and he doesn't like this uncle who's super creepy, and then we have a Mike Fink boat. And then he goes against his Indian people, and then they don't want him, and he goes back to the white people, and fighting, and then everything's okay. 21 seconds. Yes. Good job. All right. It's over. It's over. (laughs) True son is Indian. Johnny is white. (laughs) That was great. Thank you. That was beautiful. That is like Thank the you. epitome of the racism in this movie. Like that, <laughs> like that is just it oh, right there. So okay, Jocelyn, are you ready? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hold on, I've got to recover from that. <laughs> oh. All right. All right. <sighs> okay. Okay. You're psyched up. Yep. Okay. On your mark. Get set and go. All right, so the army makes a deal with Indians to recover all of the captive children. One, is, one such child is, jo- is Johnny, a.k.a. True Son, who doesn't really want to go, but guess what? He is white, so he has to go. And so he goes, he try, like he struggles with learning, and then he goes back to the Indians. But the Indians don't really like him after he messes up their ambush. And then he goes back to the whites and he fights. And then, yeah, everything's okay. 
And there's a oh. that song at the end. <laughs> okay, I added two seconds onto that, so 25. <laughs> there you go. 25 seconds. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, good. Guys, we all got through it. Everybody took Woo. a deep breath. I think that all four of those, all four of those were very good. Yeah, they were all different. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so some history about this film. Honestly, there's not really a whole heck of a lot on it. Um, there wasn't a lot of fun. I actually either. had a hard time finding it to watch. It took me off guard because normally I'll just like go on Amazon Fire and I'll like search it and it'll be there for me to rent for three dollars and it's really easy. But this one didn't show up for me. Your millennial is showing. I know. Usually <laughs> I just go on my Amazon Fire. <laughs> yes. Um. That's interesting because I found this on YouTube for free, the entire movie. That's how we ended up watching it. But, like, I usually, yeah, I usually don't do that because normally I have too hard of a time trying to find the movies on YouTube. So I did it the other way around this time. And uh, it wasn't there, so I had to go and pirate it on YouTube. Sorry, Disney, I tried to pay you $3 to watch it. Is that any reflection of this movie? Like, nobody wants it, it's just out there on YouTube, and Disney isn't even coming after anybody for it? I mean, like, the the title of the movie wasn't even concealed at all on YouTube. Like, it just was on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I was surprised when I found it, because usually... Usually I'll type the movie into Google, and it doesn't show up on YouTube. But yeah. the fact that the first link was YouTube, I was like, well, I'm going to click on it. It might just be the trailer, but it was the yeah. entire movie. Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, I guess this is where I'm watching it. Yeah, and it wasn't sped up like other movies we've watched yeah. or like have this weird like cloud background or whatever they do. It's just normal. They like have the movie in the corner of the screen with like a background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, okay, so The Light in the Forest was filmed in 1958. It was based on a novel, also titled The Light in the Forest, by Conrad Richter. Uh, The film was produced by Walt Disney Productions and starred famous Fess Parker, a.k.a. Davy Crockett, a.k.a. Old Yeller's dad, right? (laughs) Technically Old Yeller's dad. Yeah, he's... Basically plays all roles that have to do with westerns. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Talking to Indians. Mm -hmm. That's Fess Parker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Andrew, James MacArthur, and Wendell Wendell Corey. So, though this is a fictional story and primarily features fictional characters, the novel does incorporate several several real people and facts from U.S. history. Um, Okay. So, since that was all that was really out there for me, I pulled some reviews, and there seemed to be, like, total both sides of the spectrum on this movie. There were, like, really good reviews about it, how it was um, pretty, like, accurate. It said, okay, so the good, it says, while this is an action film set in 1764, made in the still politically insensitive 1950s, it manages not to paint stereotypes. And I wanted to know who (laughs) on earth wrote that. Can we pull some lines from the movie that paint stereotypes? Because I can right now. Go for it. Indians smell bad. Yeah. Um, they are dumb. Mm-hmm. They don't speak English. Mm-hmm. I mean, stereotypes. Yeah. Like, they were there. They were even there about oh, yeah. white people, too. How, like, mm-hmm. 
you know, they're intolerant, they shoot at things that aren't even attacking them. Actually, that those aren't even stereotypes, like they were legitimate things. They actually did do that for the most part. But stereotyping the entire group of people, you know, I mean, like both sides did it. So that review, uh, yeah, I don't know who wrote that, but they must have been smoking something. And (laughs) I found another one. And this is actually like a scan from an old New York Times article. However, it was in like the 90s. I think that this movie was maybe like re-released or something. And that's why this review was written in the 90s. Um, But it says here... When an aesthetic reason for bathing is mentioned, he looks straight ahead and grunts, Indians no stink, white man stinks. That's the whole issue here. And without in the least intending to belittle this Walt Disney color film, we might add that the intellectual content and the dramatic content too is just about on a level with that line of dialogue. (laughs) Which means bad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It, yes. Oh, side thing. Um, and you, I mean, you can edit this out. You can edit this out later. Uh, so I was looking at that. I think it is from, the article is from the 50s. It was just from before the digital, like they started doing digital in the 90s. Oh, I think okay. that's what it is. Okay, well, that would make more sense. I didn't really look too hard into it. I just saw that the <laughs> date was 1996 in the top and I'm like, that's weird. I don't know. Maybe it was re-released. <laughs> Um, okay, so it actually is from the 50s. Sam, yes. Uh, to go off that, the thing that bothered me about the language, like you were just saying the line, uh, like, Indians no stink, white man stink, Yeah, was that um, a lot of times, like, in the beginning of the movie, and then I think even in that scene when Johnny is, like, talking to Del Hardy, they're speaking in whatever the Indian language of his tribe was, but they're speaking it in English so as not to use subtitles, in which case, why wouldn't they be speaking in full English sentences with correct grammar? Because he wasn't, like, in that part, he wasn't, like, speaking broken English. They were just using English with the assumption he was speaking in his own native language. So that's what bothered me a lot about it, is why in that sense would he then be using broken grammar? It would sound, it would sound, like, competent. (laughs) I agree with you. I noticed that too. Like, why not just use subtitles or just have right. them speak I'm, properly? I'm assuming that it 100% is because it took place, they filmed it in the 50s, and that is just, that was the, that was how they did it. I mean, like, it's not right, but, like, that's how they did it. The 50s are known for being super politically incorrect. They didn't <laughs> seem to care about that type of thing. Um, yeah, so it's just the times, unfortunately, because yeah, you would think just have him speak in his native language and put subtitles. That would be my go-to. If you you want them to know that they're speaking in their native language, have them do it because they've done that in the past with other languages and films. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Jocelyn. You can go first if you want. Okay. I, well, I mean... Def- I definitely would have also preferred like the the subtitles um, with like the nat- like the native language, but I didn't mind. I didn't I didn't mind having like the difference between the like the pro- like proper English when they were supposed to be speaking in the native tongue, 
versus broken English when he was trying to attempt the language, just because then it, like, it, it was enough of a contrast that you're like, okay, so, like, he can't speak at, like, the character can't speak pro- like, right. proper English. Because like the he rest lived of, with Native Americans for, like, Because he lived long, with yeah. Native Americans. Um, but the, di- like, the dialogue was not, was not, it was not great. It was not that. <sighs> yeah. Well, you can even see, like, when, I, what's his cousin's name? Is his cousin named Half Hour? Half Arrow. Half, half arrow. arrow. I heard I heard half hour the entire time. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. Okay, so half arrow. Um, when him and True Son are just by themselves, like after they like escape from the white man, you know, he's gonna go live back with the Indians. Their quote unquote English dialogue, which is actually probably their native tongue, flows really nice. I mean, like mm-hmm. they speak properly. But when you have uh, Del Hardy speaking with the Indians, even though he knows their language, and it's it's assumed that it's their native language. Yeah, you're right, Sam. Like, it's broken. So why, when a quote-unquote white man is in the presence, do they have to look savage? Right. Or uncivil? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Not cool, Walt. Yeah. Calling you out. I'm just really over these movies. These kinds of movies. <laughs> like... There's just too many of, like, the same type of story, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that that's why only a handful were successful. Like, you can't keep putting out the same type of movie over and over and over again and expect it to be as successful as some of the other. Like, Davy Crockett was successful because it was a TV show, mostly, and people loved it, and then he, like, put it together into the movies, so it remained popular. Mm -hmm. But, like... That was your bread and butter with these types of movies. Davy Crockett. Just stay yep. there and, like, you didn't need to do all these other ones that are, like, the same thing. Westward Ho. <clears throat> oh, Westward Ho. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, Old Yeller stands alone, even though Fess Parker was in it. But Old Yeller is different. Yeah, I agree. It's not, I mean, that's about the dog. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I'm okay with that movie. Okay, good. It's be. sad, but I'm okay that it was released. <sighs> fun facts. Fun facts. Are they fun? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're not this week, sorry. <laughs> They're just facts. We'll okay. just leave it at that. Alright, so. Iron Eyes Cody. Guy who played the role of Blackfish. Is he the guy that tried to burn John? I don't know. But I'm going to assume. No. No. Who's Blackfish? I don't think so. That was, I think it's Niskatoon or something like that. Little Crane's brother, right? Um, Not sure who Blackfish is, but this guy played him. He reportedly acted as a technical advisor (laughs) and designed over 35 costumes for the film with his wife, Bertha Parker. Um, Also, he translated the Delaware dialogue and helped the cast to speak the language. I thought that was pretty cool. So they actually had, like, a real Indian helping them, which is kind of totally backwards to, like, how this movie portrays Indians. Like, they're being very accurate with it, but at the same time, they're not. Does that make sense? I know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. Well, it's, you know, that kind of reminds me, though, of, like, Song of the South. Right? Like, that movie is widely regarded as extremely racist. However, how many 
black people worked on that film and right. like seemed to be okay with that film in the moment like while they were filming it and working on it like they were fine and then like critics look at it and they're like whoa what were you thinking if you had just added this little tidbit of information in the beginning saying that this was after the civil war, the civil war then it wouldn't have come across as racist as it did as as racist yeah I, I don't know, because sometimes, you know, sometimes whenever you're, like, in the moment working on something like that, you might not really realize what the outcome is going to be while you're doing it. You could just be like, wow, they really want, like, help to make this as accurate as possible. Not that Walt didn't. I mean, he always wants everything to be as time accurate as possible. But again, this is the 50s. This is the time that Walt is in. He's he was a product of the environment, I think, at that time. I mean, he's a genius. Don't get me wrong. I'm in no way saying he's not. But there, he did, throughout this decade and before, even with his cartoons, like the, you know, Hitler Donald cartoons, Ooh. he made some questionable decisions about stuff he put out. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Not even Walt Disney. No. He's but close. I, but I still like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the press book for this movie, the Penumsquat Indians, sorry if I said that wrong, in Old Town, Maine, they made a 20-foot war canoe for this film. So again, we have some hands-on real Indian stuff here, which cool. is nice. Native American, I'm sorry. I do not want to be insensitive. Um, so the canoe afterwards went to Disneyland after they were done with production. I bet it was like in the... Like Frontierland, maybe? Yeah. Um, Walt Disney himself came to Tennessee on location for three days for the film. Um, and when it premiered in Harrisburg, PA, it benefited a lot of the local communities. Community charities. Charities. Getting ahead of myself. Um, so this was telecast in two parts on Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Colors on the 12th and the 19th of November as one episode was called True Sun and the other episode was called True Sun's Revenge. So this is kind of like a Davy Crockett thing. Yeah. But backwards. Because this came out in 1958 but that was... Mm. So it was like they put it out as a movie and then put it on TV. Whereas Davy Crockett was the other way around. Got it. Got it. They learned. Um, so, according to a New York Times news item, although Disney bought the rights to um, Conrad Richter's book in June of 1953, a month after its publication, so he liked it right away, he didn't plan to put it into production until 1957. And the review also noted that the end of the film was changed from the book, which we will get to in a little bit. Um, so, it was shot in Tennessee, along the Tennessee River, about 20 miles from Ch- Chattanooga. It was also... What city in Tennessee was it filmed in? I don't know. I skipped over that part. <laughs> it was also <laughs> filmed in San Fernando Valley, California. <laughs> and some scenes were shot in... Oh, that's also California. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought that was somewhere else. <laughs> why do you throw me off, Meg? <laughs> Finish your thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a review from, from Variety, they said... Did you ever say the other city? I said it was also California. Oh, okay. Jeez. Azusa. Azusa. 
And the city in Tennessee was Massengale Point. It looked really scary, so I just skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> so a review from Variety said, quote, Like most Disney production productions, it is pastoral in quality, almost fable-like in its gentle approach to some basically bitter situations. I don't know about that. Uh, Hollywood Reporter also noted that volumes of fan mail praising the authenticity have convinced Disney that meticulous research has given his studio tremendous pre- prestige in educational circles, and this is a real commercial advantage. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I can appreciate, like, the authenticity comment with regards to, like, costume and possibly, like, visuals. On paper. Mm. On paper, great. I just, I don't know. But yeah. It's just the stereotypes that get me. Mm-hmm. And, but honestly, at that time, like, those stereotypes were real. And those people, like, really would have said those things. Maybe not, like, talking the way, you know, and I'm not saying like that. But, like, the white people would have said those things about the Native Americans. And the Native Americans would have said those things about the white people, you know? So, like, in terms of that, like, it's probably historically accurate, on what people would have said. I just feel like there's a better way to show us that. You know? There's got to be, like, mm-hmm. a middle ground to make it not as... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to make it not as controversial, I guess. Or insensitive. Insensitive probably is the word I want. Yes, Jocelyn. Well, it would be interesting um, to see, not to actually, like, have remakes made of especially like the films from the 50s um but just to kind of like know what like have the storyline portrayed using today's societal norms yeah you know well well okay like how would they have made this story in 2018 yes yeah and just and and you're right they might like they there might have been a better way to portray those different like those differences than what was seen in the 50s yeah yeah for sure all right somebody get on this remake all these movies that we don't like (laughs) in 2018 in 2018 who would we cast in fess parker's role (laughs) Ooh, i would say clint eastwood but he's too old now Mm -hmm. What what about james marsden he kind of has like a he has like a de- I mean he has kind of like a decent a decent like commanding voice. I have to Google him. I can't picture his face. He was um Prince Edward in Enchanted. Oh. oh. I'm gonna go yeah. Chris Pratt. Oh, Chris Pratt is good too. He could put That's on a true. twang. Yeah. He could. Keep his stubble. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. If he wrangled raptors. He'd be a great Westerner. (laughs) Yeah, for real. All All right. right. New headcanon. Chris Pratt as Fess Parker. (laughs) Chris Pratt. He is the new Davy Crockett. Wouldn't that be sweet? That would be, actually. I'd go see that. (laughs) That'd be awesome. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, some book to movie differences. There's quite a few. So the movie expands the role of Del Hardy, who is played by Fess Fess Parker, Parker. of course, because everybody loves good old Fess. 
Um, so he remains with the Butler family much longer than he actually does in the novel. So in the movie, he's like, I gotta watch over this kid. I gotta make sure that, uh, Uncle Wilsey's doesn't kill him, essentially, probably. Um, he can't leave until things have settled and he feels good about it. I don't know how it happens in the book. That's how it happens in the movie. Um, True Son's blood brother, Gordon does not appear in the film. So apparently he has a true blood brother. Yes. Um, That's a point that I think is pretty interesting from if you've read the book, um, because we had to read it in school. And so I had already read this book and the brother. So when true son is forced to go back to his white birth parents, they have another son. And so he has like a, I think it's like a four or five year old brother. Um, and that's actually a big part of what ends up affecting True Son in a way that he starts to have all these sympathies for the white settlers that he mm. used to hate so much is because he kind of forms a bond with his baby brother. And in that in that iconic scene where he warns the settlers on the raft of the ambush, the reason he did that in the book was because he saw that the settlers on the raft had a very young boy with them. And in his mind, he got like a flashback to his little brother. And all he could think of was his little brother being on that raft. Um, and that's why he did that. So I thought it was really interesting that they removed the baby brother from the movie because it sort of took away like a really big turning point for like why hmm. he did that, that like iconic scene. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think with the, um, with having Shenandoah there as the romantic interest, I think that took, like it kind of came down to, do we play this more as like a fan, like as a family, like a family sympathy, or do we play it as, the girl that you've come to love is gonna help. Mm. Is gonna help guide you back to where you're supposed to, like where you're supposed to be. That's I, a good point. Yeah. They did kind of turn it into a love story, which she did not exist mm -hmm. in the books. Mm -hmm. So it really was the little brother who was like that, like key piece for him. Mm -hmm. I think that that makes sense in terms of like the way that Disney liked to do movies in general. Having a romance in it makes it a little more dramatic, I think. So, I'm that has to be why that was swapped out. Because, like, while it's sweet that he did it because of his brother, it's more dramatic and possibly touches more adult viewers if it's a romance. You know who they would have cast? That little boy from Old Yeller. Yes. Moochie from, yes. Moochie yes. from Shaggy Dog. Yes. That's, what, that's who Gordy would have been. Yeah, Bobby Driscoll's too old now. Yep, I thought of him first. And I was like, no, no. No, that's a good point, though, because Walt really did like to, for lack of a better term, he liked to romanticize romance. Yes. And so yes. for him to pull in that there would be a love interest and then that it's this whole like oh my heart is torn you yeah. know with this girl and i i can see that um yeah for sure yeah. um so the antagonism between true son and wilsey in the film turns into a fist fight and true son is the victor um instead of 
Uncle Wilsey being scalped. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I kind of would have liked to see that because I really hated him. <laughs> Couldn't stand him. I really hated him. Oh, he was terrible. He was an evil human being. He really was. And we will get to that in our character analysis <laughs> coming up. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently it wasn't just a little good old fist fight. <laughs> um, so <laughs> while the novel ends on a note of like uncertainty, uh, true son is alone on a remote road and unsure of where his future lies. The film has him return to his family. He gets the girl and he apparently gets to live a life on that wild land that his dad got for him. So we have much more of like a fairy tale book ending Disney than we do in the actual book. Yes. That is the biggest thing that stood out to me watching this movie after having read the book because the book ended on just like you said it ended on this really uncertain kind of like um you got this uncomfortable feeling at the end of the book and I think that was the author's intention because it sort of ended right after that scene where his Native American father took him off to, you know, some path in the woods and then uh, kind of banished him or disowned him sort of mm -hmm. um, and told him you have to leave. But in the book, he had already been completely rejected uh, by the white settlers village as well. So the book just ends with him kind of like starting to walk down the road and really thinking about like, where is he going to go? And he doesn't fit in anywhere. Um, both opportunities at like having a family have rejected him. And um, it was like a very powerful ending. So that was the biggest thing that stood out to me watching the movie was like, whoa, this ending was all tied up in a pretty bow and <laughs> he got a girlfriend and, lived, you know, yeah. And I can see why Disney did that because you, I mean, you know, when Disney's going to make a movie, um, he's going to make the ending a lot more pleasant and try to give it a happily ever after. Yeah. Uh, but it was really interesting to come to the end. Yeah, he certainly fluffed it up. That's for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> I kind of was expecting that sort of ending, honestly, like the uncertainty. But I, I shouldn't have been expecting it because it's a Disney film. But I, like, that's how I felt like as I was watching the ending and I was like, I feel really bad for him because he doesn't really fit in at either place anymore. Like, he was so against going to his white family that it was really hard for me to come to terms with the fact that that's where he ended up. Yeah. It just didn't seem right. I agree. Yeah, that's a good point. It was almost unsettling because you spent the whole movie, like, feeling his rage at having to go back there. Yeah. And then for him to just kind of settle down happily. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like, turned on a dime. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing the only thing for me that kind of well, of 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 that, of like of where he ended up, the only thing that kind of made it okay for me, and I say okay loosely, is because <laughs> since he did go to like the <laughs> since he did go to like the to build like his new life in the mountains, like on that like patch patch of land. Like, it was kind of, like, the middle ground. So it wasn't, like, I'm about to go, like, build a house, like, have a house at the center of town versus I'm going to go, like, have my, like, be back with my Native American family. Like, he found, like, the, like they found, like, this middle ground so that he could actually take a longer time than what was done in the movie. 
to really kind of figure out how to acclimate back to where he was supposed to go. Yeah, I like that. I could see that. That does help uh, a little bit. <laughs> just a little, though. Just a little. That's a little. It just, it just <laughs> seemed like, it. like Sam said, it, the, a good word for it is that, to me, it was unsettling that he seemed to mm-hmm. so willingly just go back there. Where... Well, when you get the girl... He finally, like, he... Who doesn't exist. He was somebody, <laughs> he was somebody who, like, entered a different culture and grew up in it and appreciated it and loved it for what it was. And he wasn't given a choice to stay there, so, like, obviously I understand why he didn't stay there, because he couldn't, but to, like, just give all of that up and just be like, oh, yeah, girl, I'm gonna live with you. Mm-hmm. It was just kind mm-hmm. of, like, it seemed a far stretch for me that that would have been the real ending for him, um... And it seemed a little bit like they wanted you to, they wanted you to think that, like, that was the good option, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what bothered me, that they were like, oh, yeah, he's going to decide to go live with the white people and it's going to be all happily ever after. He has a wife. That was the correct decision. Yeah. Like, that's, I I think that's what bothered me. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, whereas, like, in reality, he he didn't fit in anywhere. That's right. all. Yes. Um, I thought it was interesting that they, I mean, on both, like, on both sides, they, they essentially, like, forced, like, forced him to leave um, right. from both the Native Americans and from the white. But I thought that, like, they did, they did more of a forceful job on the Native American side. Where, like, when he, like, especially with the ambush scene, with him backing down and saying, hey, you know what? Like, let's actually not kill people. Let's yeah. be better than that. And they were and they were able to get away. But then back at, back at camp, everyone was like, dude, you screwed up. Like, you met, like, you messed it up. So obviously, because you showed some kind of sympathy to so- towards someone else, you're not... Like, you're not one of us anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely flaws on both sides. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. I mean, they, their revenge, because they, they seem, at least this is how they're portrayed in all of the movies that I've seen, is that, like, they focus very much on revenge and, like, getting back for what was done to them. Um and, like, right. normally they're not the ones that act first, but they always make up for that act. Like, somebody does something to them, mm-hmm. they're going to get them back. Um, yeah. And I think that the fact that Johnny, what is his name? True Son. Mm-hmm. True Son didn't want to do that. He just kind of was like, all right, we got our revenge. Like, we're good. And they, like, didn't feel like they had gotten enough. So they were a little bit, they were, like, hungry for more when they shouldn't have been. Um, so, like, True Son was right in that respect, to be like, hey, we need to be better people than this. But they kind of just saw it as him sympathizing. Right. When. But didn't, like, remind, remind me if I'm wrong, didn't his dad, like, his adopted dad kind of hint that, like, he also agreed with what True, like, yeah. he, all, he, he kind of stood behind True Son 
but he was also like, I can't fully, especially since we all, like, we all know that you are truly a white child. Like, yeah. I can't fully stand behind you anymore. But I feel in my like, heart, like, I agree with that. I feel like what happened there was his adoptive dad did agree with the fact that they probably went too far. Um, but there were already so many people against True Son at that point, it probably would have been worse for him to stay than to go. Because, again, as I said, they focus very much on revenge. There are other people in the tribe who felt like they should have gotten revenge on him. I mean, they wanted to burn him. So, like, I think that his adoptive dad was doing him a favor, almost, by banishing him and saying get away from the tribe like you can't be with us anymore because in reality he was probably saving his life probably i could see that yes i was just gonna say i actually think in the book they made it a lot more clear that he was saving his life by doing that um it it was like that was pretty well established that what he was doing was um Basically, like, putting himself in the line of fire because he did that thing where he stood up and was like, I take responsibility for what he did because he's my son. Mm-hmm. But then also by, like, publicly disowning him and, like, banishing from the, him from the tribe, like, that was his way of basically saving him from being put to death. Yeah. Because, like, that was his show of, of love. That was, like, his show of heart was not letting him basically get the death penalty. Yeah. Um. Crazy. It's deeper than I thought, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, I only have one fun fact left. I thought they were just facts today. I'm sorry. This one's kind of fun, though. Okay. So, when the film premiered in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on the 9th of July, 1958, um, there was actor Wendell, Wendell Corey, who was Wilsey Owens, I hope he's not a jerk in real life, with his wife, and then also some Mouseketeers, so there was Jimmy Dodd, Annette Funicello, Annette, mm-hmm, Tommy Cole, and Doreen Tracy. Really, I just like that because Annette, and I've found a new um, appreciation for her for some other movies that we may have recorded for the future. I won't get into that yet, though. Yeah, she shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, well... I'll say this in the future from now, but we were at Disneyland Paris and they had an Annette's Diner. Yes. At Disney Springs in Disneyland Paris. So that was cool. We didn't eat there. No. But we walked by it and it was very like 50s-ish. Mm-hmm. So. Shout out to Annette. Yeah. Alrighty. So some characters. Um, first up is Del Hardy, who is played by Fess Parker. Who's that? David Crockett. Oh, all right. Got it. Got it. Uh, so Del Hardy again seems to be in the role of like negotiator between. Yeah. He's like the communicator with the Indians. He speaks the language. He knows how to talk to them. He makes deals with them. He's literally Davy Crockett in this movie. He literally is. With a different name. (laughs) Yes. Like there's no difference. Yeah. He even wears that, like the skins with the tassels on it. Yep. But no coonskin cap. No, yeah, that's true. That's true. That, okay, that's the only difference. 
Um, but I liked him. I liked that he was the middle ground mediator. Because that meant he was kind to both sides. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he really did take a shine to Truson. Really did want it, at least in the movie version. He plays a very good, like, likable character in these types of films. Whereas usually I'm kind of super one way or the other with people. Like, he's kind of always just been like the... All around character. All around good guy. He's like the Mario. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some flack for cutting our sorting on the characters, so we have to go back to sorting them into Hogwarts houses, because people yelled at us. We we thought people didn't want it, and we were sad, so the <laughs> fact that you want it, we're stoked. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you remember how we sorted Davy Crockett, did we? I think we made him a Gryffindor. I was gonna say Gryffindor for Del Hardy. Yeah, I mean, He's because, the same. Yeah. Yeah. All around good guy, brave, thinks with his heart, Yes. I was on the fence between, like, Gryffindor and Hufflepuff for him, just because mm. he seems like such a peacemaker um, in this movie. He's very much, like, trying to, let's keep everything smooth, and, you know, I feel like that is a classic Hufflepuff role to take on, but I could definitely see Gryffindor as well. I was, like, on the fence with him. No, I like that. So Hufflepuff a... for Del Hardy, Gryffindor for Davy Crockett. Yeah, I think I like that, too, because there's just a little <laughs> bit more, like, edge to Davy. Mm-hmm. Little, he like do, he goes a little further. He does a little more. You know, like he gets into politics. He's a little braver. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's brave true. to get into yeah. politics. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Um. So yeah, I like Hufflepuff for Dell. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Next up, we have Wilsey Owens. This Ugh. is Uncle Wilsey. He's literally the worst human being on the planet. Literally watching it, I couldn't I couldn't handle how much I couldn't stand this character. All yeah. of a sudden, it was just like this rage against him. I, he, I couldn't stand him. The first part that made me really hate him is that scene with Shannon Doe. Yep. Oh, god! Where he tries to kiss her. That made me beyond <sighs> uncomfortable. It made me nauseous. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. gross. Oh, because he is that he's literally the embodiment of like bigotry of just an <laughs> awful person and he's just like that creepy character misogyny yeah i yeah a drunk like just just um what am i thinking of like hard-headed doesn't think is it's all about with him. a 17 year old like you're gross you're yeah. gross but you think you're, You're the cool. king of it all. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really satisfying to see his face get beat in <laughs> by True Son. Well, in the book, he gets scalped. I would have liked that. Sorry, guys. I'm a Slytherin. I can say it. I would have liked it. Well, he I would not have been it. opposed. He deserves it. He was just a gross human being. And for that, he is a squib. I can't yes. place him anywhere. He's yeah. gross. Yeah. He doesn't deserve to I go was, to Hogwarts. <laughs> I, was I thinking agree with that. that. Too. Yeah. yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. No. Um, okay. You know what? He's a prisoner in Azkaban because he doesn't there deserve to be out in the world. His soul got sucked by a Dementor. Yep. Sorry. Sucks to suck. <laughs> Bye, Wilsey. <No! laughs> <laughs> You're worse than dead. <laughs> All right, on that note, we've got, ooh, I don't remember who this is. Millie is, so Millie Elder, she is the love interest of Del. Okay, yes. okay. 
she's after his heart. And he falls for her and they decides to settle end. down. On a plot of land. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he's neighbors with True Son? I don't know. Probably. Probably. So he can continue to watch over him and be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Millie has one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Um, it's when she's, I, I'm not going to remember the scene exactly, but she's giving somebody a haircut or something. And mm-hmm. Del Hardy comes in. He's like, I want to talk about something like serious. And she's like, oh, that's fine. You can just talk about it here. And then she goes, oh, unless what you have to say is private. Well, you know what? Even if it is, I just won't listen. <laughs> I just laughed out loud. <laughs> when she said that. that was good. <laughs> just having a little like conversation with herself about it. <laughs> yeah, telling them like you can talk about your private matters right here in front of me, and I'll just choose not to listen. Like who? Obviously, she's gonna listen. Right. Uh, I liked her. She, she seemed really dead sweet. Serious. Yeah, yeah. She was like, no, I just won't listen. Yeah. She also seems like a Hufflepuff. Yeah. I agree. She's just, yeah. she's a little cupcake. They could be a Huffle couple. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> a couple puff. A couple puff. A cupuff. A cupuffle. There we go. Cupuffle. Alrighty, next up is True Son slash Johnny Butler. Oh, goodness. True Son. The man of huh. little words. Yeah, he just broods. He does. He broods the whole time, which I can't blame He's him. He's very broody. You know, I wouldn't want to be ripped from this place I love and this, you know, he grew up probably knowing he was adopted. Knowing he's a knowing white he's kid. different, right? But he just embraced being a Native American, like he just embraced loved the culture, it. like yeah, clearly loves what you know, clearly loves where he's at, willing mm. to die for it. Like he tries to kill himself with yeah. the mandrake root. Shout out, Darren shout Darren. out to mandrakes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he just to love your culture that much, I thought was amazing. And to just like be ripped from that, like, yeah, I'd be broody too. I think he has every right to resist being quote unquote civilized. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would keep in mind on the broody thing too, that he was also a teenager. True. And oh, yeah. I think part of the point of the story was that he was still very immature while yeah. all this was happening. So there were like a lot of moments where he didn't handle it as maturely as maybe an adult would have. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the brooding went along with that. Like, can you imagine that happening to you when you're like 35 no. versus when you're like 17, you'd be oh, like gosh. so much more immature <laughs> about it as much as it would suck either way. Um, he's in like that teenage phase. I will kill uncle Wilsey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always said it so fast. He did. <laughs> <laughs> And like a hundred times, I'm pretty sure he said it at least a hundred and two times. I think that was his only line in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Um, I'm claiming True Son is a Slytherin. Yeah, I'll go for that. Okay, he... I was gonna say Gryffindor because he seems so like rash, and like he doesn't Shame. think through. But I could see Slytherin too. I just see Slytherin because he seems pretty. He seems like he tries to be cunning. Um, and... <laughs> like, very ambitious. Well, and, I mean, oh, yeah. 
He is ambitious. He's ambitious because he's probably both. To be I'll honest, he's, he's a probably a little bit of both. Um, but I'm claiming Slytherin because he does kind of have this undertone to his character sometimes, where like he's rash, but he always wants to jump on like the wrong decision sometimes. Like, killing Uncle Wilsey probably isn't the best idea, but that is probably a conclusion that a Slytherin would come to. And I can say that because I am one. Because let me tell you, as soon as he <laughs> tried to kiss Shannon Doe, I wanted to kill him. Don't cross yeah. a Slytherin. That's the, mo- that's the they're moral of the Also, story. they're fierce friends. Slytherins are fierce friends. And he, like, his friend uh, Half Arrow... Half hour. Half hour. <laughs> Half arrow, like, he seemed like he would do anything for him. I you know, agree. I mean, like, he basically was, like, jumping in front of a bullet for him whenever they were running away, you know? I mean, like, True Son was just standing there, and then that was Uncle Wilsey, wasn't it, who shot, uh, was that Little Crane? Yes. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, but I could see Slither, you know, uh, Slither door. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think you, I think you convinced me on the Slytherin one. That seems fitting. Yeah, he's just a little cunning. I think that's where it's at. He's and he tried to, he tried to eat mandrake root, <laughs> like which is again, like yeah, that's a rash decision. But like Slytherins can be like that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're very, very, very similar. Yeah. He has, like, dramatic reactions to the yeah. things that make him mad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can see it. That's me. I will kill Uncle Wilsey. <laughs> I will kill Uncle Wilsey. <laughs> 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 um, I'm gonna put Myra in... Oh, wait, hold on. Where is the dad there? No. Okay, he's, Myra... He's later on. Okay. Oh, yeah, Myra and Harry... Um, Butler. I'm gonna put them together. So this is True Son's mom and dad. Biological mom. Biological mom and dad. I claim them for Raven. Well, well, actually, I was gonna claim the mom, but since we're putting them together, uh, claiming them for Ravenclaw, because especially the mom, like, she really goes out of her way. Like, she really tries to embrace part of the culture that True Son has grown up in. Yes. To help him better like to like kind of go like i'll go like i'll go hat like i'll go i'll meet you halfway and, yeah. and we, will, we will figure out how to get through this together she annoyed like, she me was... at first but yep. then like she got better she like opened up and, yep. and got a little bit better with him especially with like the um like the english less like the english lesson and the um delaware like the delaware language yeah. lesson like mm-hmm. that was so sweet yeah in the beginning i was like this lady's mean like I understand she's got her son back, but, like, he's clearly been through a lot, or, like, he clearly loves his adoptive parents, and, like, you're just, like, you're not leaving this room until you say your proper name, and then all of a sudden they're having this reading lesson, and she's being very sweet, like, you know, some of those Indian sayings you say are so beautiful, and then she tries to learn his language, and you see him open up, and it was a really nice, like, mother-son moment. Yes. 
in that first scene where you meet her when she's like sitting in the bed and she's like snapping at him did anyone else get a vision of just like lady tremaine like yeah. sitting in the bed oh, being like Didn't really sharp that? and snappy you said she's got lady tremaine's hair no i said she has cruella Deville hair oh <laughs> but yeah she does kind of have lady tremaine hair <laughs> she does remind me of lady tremaine in that just scene just sitting there petting in that lucifer big bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yes yeah head cannon accepted Yep. But then I agree, she did get a lot better. That the next scene with her was much sweeter and you kind of saw her softer side. Yeah, totally different. I think that yeah. I so strongly disliked her in that first scene because I was adopted and I kind of put myself in True Son's shoes right there as if like I had been taken from where I am now and like put in a situation where like I had to call my birth parents, my parents. I'd be like, um, you didn't raise me. I'm not calling you my mom or my dad. Like, sorry, peace out, bye. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm an anomaly with adoptive kids, but, like, I literally want nothing to do with my birth parents. I don't care who they are. I don't need to ever meet them. They're not my parents. So, like, I totally identified with True Son in that moment. Like, get me out of here. Like, this isn't my family, you know? Yeah. Like, I would never say that my birth mom is my mom like she's not I don't care that she birthed me I mean I do (laughs) like that sounds really harsh and really mean but like (laughs) like I'm thankful she gave me life but I'm more thankful that she gave me to my adoptive parents because like that's my mom and dad Mm -hmm. so I just like really felt strongly with true son like dude, I get it. Go back to your adoptive parents. Like, that's your family. Those are your parents. That's your best friends and your siblings. Like, the ones that you're raised with. Like, family, to me, and, like, this is just a personal thing, but, like, to me, family has never been about blood. Mm -hmm. And, like, it just never has been. I was adopted, like, the people that I'm closest to are, like, not blood family. So, I just... I identify with True Son. Maybe that's why I wanted him as a Slytherin. Maybe. We're the same person. (laughs) Don't kill nobody. Or scalp anybody. I won't. Okay. He didn't scalp anybody. Well, I guess he did in the book. (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) So where would... Oh, we said Ravenclaw. Oh, we said Ravenclaw. Yes, yes, yes. And I agree. All right. I think that... I'm just going to go to Shannon Doe here and call it a day on the characters. Is everybody okay with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Shannon Doe is the fictional love interest in the movie that's placed in there who is not in the book. An undentured... An indentured, indentured servant. servant. I was saying she didn't have teeth. She's an indentured <laughs> servant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which means that she's a slave, but only until she's 18. 18. 18. Oh, this poor girl. You know, you know, I'm going to make her Gryffindor because she overcomes her fear of Indians, which I can see her being afraid because she said her parents were killed right. by Indians. So clearly she's going to be afraid. But she sees, hey, they're not all bad. Here's she, someone I like who's nice and you know what I mean? She comes around. She also overcomes her fear of Wilsey. Yeah. And <laughs> like 
and like egging on True Son to like beat him up. Hit him! <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hit okay, him! so here's my only thing about Shannon Doe. She was a terrible actress. Sorry, Carol <laughs> Lindley. I didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> The, there was this one boy. line that she said, and like me and you just both burst oh, out laughing. And I she can't... sounded like a robot. Yeah. Are you all right? Yeah, that was that it. it. She was like, she followed Truson into the forest and was like, "Are you all right?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't listen to you." <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, I liked her role. I think that it was a nice addition. Um. It fit more for a film, I think, like we were saying already when we were talking about the changed ending, like him having a love interest is just more theatrical and fits more, you know, like it gets Mm -hmm. more people involved in his story and like interested in his story. Um, Though I'm still not really a fan of the fairy tale ending, but yeah, I agree. But Shannon Doe, yeah, I agree with Gryffindor. Yep. Yep. Sorry, there's a cat outside the door making weird noises. All right. Favorite character and scene? Mm, um, True Son is probably my favorite character. And I f- don't know what my favorite scene is. I have one. Uh, I guess I liked whenever he sent the settlers back so that they wouldn't get ambushed. Oh, yeah. Last minute act of heroism. I liked that. Um, I'm gonna say my favorite character is True Son, but shout out to Half Arrow, because that kid just loves life and just goes with the flow. <laughs> yeah, he's Like, he's cool. just, like, ready to do whatever needs to be done, and he's just, like, screaming in joy about it. I love it. He just, like, lives in the moment. Um, but my favorite scene, just because it made me laugh, because you know how the bad thing is they go back and forth like, white man stinks, no Indian stinks. Yeah. Well, when uh, True Son and Half Arrow are sitting, again, they escaped from the white man and they're going to go live with the Indians again. And, and uh, True go, Son, like, his clothes yeah, he, water. like, whips his sock off. He's like, there, now I don't stink. And the way he said it just, like, made me burst out laughing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're just, you know, being two teenagers, just goofing off, having a good time. Like, again, living life. Yeah. I can go next. Okay. Go for uh, it. Fa- favorite character, um, probably uh, True Son's mom, like, birth mom. Just because next to Del Hardy, she seems to actually, like, try the most. A- after, like, obviously after that initial, like, the initial shock. Like, she seems to try the most to try to help him get to, like, help him take the time to get to where he's comfortable around Yeah, everyone. Yeah. Uh, favorite scene? Well, <laughs> um, so this, is, this isn't so much my favorite scene, but just, like, like a moment that I really liked. Um, at the dance, like, the what, like, the welcome dance. Oh, I forgot about yeah. the dance. The girl, the girl who really wanted to have to have True Son give her the ring, oh. and, he, and he just like flatly just walked away to give it to <laughs> Shenan Doe. I was just like, "Girl, I feel you. I have been there. <gasps> it's okay." <laughs> like just crushed me. 
<laughs> she thinks she's gonna go. He's gonna give it to her, and then slowly her face just falls because he walks oh. away. It's really sad, but yeah. Well, well, and I think I think if I remember if I remember that scene, like they had, um, they had been building up. Not, I mean, like obviously he was gonna give it to Shannon. Like he was gonna go after Shannon Doe anyway. Um, but they had been like playing up that there was this girl like who was part of like you know like the community. And she had the eyes, like she like definitely had eyes on him. And she was just trying, she was trying so hard and then just flat. And then just like, it just all got shot. Yep. It was great. It was yep. a good moment. <laughs> Poor girl. I know. <laughs> uh, so my favorite character, I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right, but Kuloga or Kuloga, the, um, true son's father mm-hmm. his adoptive father yeah the native american tribe i liked him because i feel like he's a really strong um he kind of is like a wise character even though you know he's not perfect and he definitely made some interesting decisions but at the beginning like he does give true son the advice of just go you have to do this it's like part of our agreement just go and like hold your head high and like you know, do the best you can and kind of like, I feel like he gives him this little pep talk um, that's very mature and then True Son goes off and isn't mature at all. Um, and then at the, like towards the end, I also like that he really stuck up for him because he was his adoptive father and as we saw in this movie and may have been true to the time back then, people were kind of like turning on each other left and right, like if you weren't loyal to whichever side. Um, and so... When True Son kind of kind of betrayed the Native American ambush, um, I just liked that he was like, no, you know what, this is my son. Like, I raised him. He's my son. They're, I'm not just, like, in one moment that he made a decision. I'm not just being like, I hate him now. Um, like, he's my family. So I really liked him as a character. I like that he stepped yeah. away from being chief to play dad. Yes. Yeah, you that's know? a great way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm your dad first, but I'm also the chief here. Right. And then my favorite scene, I think my favorite scene, and it is kind of like Jocelyn's, just kind of a moment, not even really a full scene. I don't know if there was any one full scene that I loved. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But there was the moment when True Son and Half Arrow were going to steal two canoes from this white guy. And then True Son's like, we shouldn't steal from him. I think he's half Indian and half Arrow goes, Oh, then we'll just take one of his canoes instead of both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was like, we'll just steal half his stuff. If he's half Indian. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. funny. Logic. That's what I'm talking about. The kid just lives in the moment. Just, <laughs> just goes with it. Yeah. That was the other part that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. That was funny. Then he comes back. Why? Like, why didn't you get the big canoe? And he's like, because oh, there yeah. was metal wrapped around it. I had a metal rope. <laughs> I like how when he's saying it too, he's like, kind of. He almost gets like this like surfer vibe. He's like, yeah, we'll just we'll leave the bigger. Or we'll take the bigger boat because there's two of us and only like one of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like slowly convincing himself. I think his character made me laugh because he was the most ridiculous Mm -hmm, he was definitely the most exaggerated which was you know had its cons as well but it was just i had to laugh because so many of his lines were just completely ridiculous yeah (laughs) yeah least favorite scene 
uh, okay, least favorite characters, definitely Uncle Wilsey, for reasons I've already mentioned. (laughs) Um, And, like, I'm just gonna be honest, guys, I just really didn't like the whole movie. (laughs) I I just really didn't. I wasn't a fan. I never need to watch this movie again. I'm glad that I can say I've seen it once, but, like, that was plenty. We've seen what you needed to see. Yeah. Uh, I'm also gonna go Uncle Wilsey. Guy sucks. Don't need to say anything else. He's a creep. Um, least favorite scene. I don't know. I mean, like, it's okay. You can copy my answer. No, I'm trying to think of like a scene. <laughs> I think it's a. I think it's when I don't like his mom and his mom's being like t- the first scene with her. Yeah, just yeah, made me she feel really bothered awful. Me. No, my least favorite scene is Uncle Wilsey being a creep with Shannon, though. That's oh. hands down it. Yeah. Because he, like, knows he has this power over her, too. And, like, he's playing yeah. that. Yeah, because she thinks she's got nowhere else to go. It's yeah. like, I have to put up with this guy or I'm on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Wilsey was my least favorite, but at the same time, like... I thought he was a really good villain. Like, he wasn't a fun villain. Like, he wasn't someone that I'm like, like, you're cool to watch. No, he was just really good at being really awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, prop, props to the actor. Yeah. Um, least favorite scene? Well, I totally, like, thought that mine's, like, split in two. Like, one, I was not, a, I, I, I didn't really like that after him being a creep the entire movie, all it takes is one beat, one beat down, mm-hmm. just right. one. Yeah, and then, and then he's, he's like, and then he's like, everything's all hunky dory, and he's like, yeah. So you're what? Like, obviously, you're you're white because you know how to fight with your fists. And I'm like, um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, like, like Native Americans know how to fight with their fists. They just also know how to fight with other things. Um, yeah. But then the other one is that la- that ending song when. John, like True Son and Shenandoah are in the woods, and it's the light in the forest theme song. Oh gosh, it was so awful. It was. It, uh, <laughs> I'm like sitting there watching it, and it, I think it got to the point where it was like the light, like the buildup was like the light in the forest, and there were like some other words, and then it basically culminated that it was love, and I was just like, no, you did not build me up for this. Like it was bad. <laughs> so I totally bad. agree with you. That song was so bad. <laughs> yeah so bad. couldn't handle it uh so my least favorite character is definitely uncle will see um but i also just didn't like a lot of the characters but uncle will see was definitely like the one you know he was definitely the hated one yeah yeah agree and then for scenes like i kind of agree with megan like i didn't really like the movie and so a lot of the scenes were either really bad or bothered me or they were just like really bland. So they didn't do anything for me. I think my least favorite part, if I have to choose one is when they took true sons, like it was like a fur coat or something that his dad had given him as a gift. and They stole it so they could like use it for target practice. And that just like, that made me feel so it like broke my heart. That's terrible. Yeah. And that's just, like, going out of your way to be mean instead of, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to the people who are just like, oh, you're here and we don't really accept you. And those people are already bad enough, but then you went out of your way to be extra 
mean and yeah. just like pour salt in the wound. Yeah, that was bad. Let's lift this up a little bit. What'd you take <laughs> away from it? Uh, it's okay to be politically correct, and we should. <laughs> Keeping it short and sweet. I'm gonna say, it's okay to be who you want to be. Even if that means you're part Native American and part quote-unquote white, whatever. A.K.A. European. <laughs> yeah, honestly. It's okay you don't need to choose sides. Just be who you are. Don't me- Don't be mean to somebody just because they're different than you. We're a wide world of people. Don't stereotype people. Don't stereotype people. The end. That, that was good. Thank that you. was really good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My thing was, like, going, kind of going back to the ending. Like, don't... And this is, this is more from, like, 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 a story at, like, the story aspect, like, the construction of it. Um, but don't, don't give like a, like, don't be building towards one thing and then give a fluff, like a fluff piece and a cotton candy ending just to provide closure. Like I'm okay with bittersweet, like I'm okay with bittersweet, like whatever the ending is, it needs to be deserved. It needs to be earned. And it wasn't, and it wasn't in this film. Yeah, I agree. Cotton candy. (laughs) That's a really good point. I think one of my takeaways was kind of um, the theme of the story, which is that, or yeah, I guess the theme of the story, which is that there's, there are offenders on both sides. And so it's never a one-sided issue. Um, And with things like this and with any, you kind of get that theme in a lot of war movies too, which is that once you've, once you've sort of been in on each side, you see that like each side, they're just real people with feelings and families who care about their own people. And uh, the other side is not, it's not like a black and white, like the other side are animals and we're humans. Like everyone um, has those same like human feelings and family bonds and stuff. Yep. Sometimes it's really hard to see that when you strongly, like, disagree with the other side or something, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, you can... It's a really great comparison to, like, right now politics. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. If you go... Maybe not right now politics. Maybe I worded that wrong, because right now it's super divisive. But, like... Politics, like, in 2008 or 2012, where it was, like, there are two sides and, like, hate ads come from both sides, but, like, in the end, neither side is, like, awful. <laughs> neither neither side is the glorious pick. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. has faults. Yes. And everyone has, everyone has both light and dark. Harry Potter. Oh, thanks, Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it also kind of shows you, like, in this movie that um, sometimes it's a product of your environment. Like, uh, I think another good moral of the movie is that in a lot of cases, neither side is the definite good guy and the other side is the definite bad guy and you just need to uncover which side is good and which side is evil. It's like, he was clearly of like he was white by birth but being raised in a different culture he had all the same feelings and thoughts about the white culture 
because you could be, you know, you're influenced by like where you're raised in your environment. And it just kind of shows that um, it's impossible for, for one side to be the true good and the other side to be the true evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's your perspective on it. Yep. Good point. Are we there? I th- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, just want like one quick little thing. Um, to kind of like this whole, like the whole like basis of the story. Well, not basis. Um, like the like the initial start is the fact that like True Son and others were were captured, chi- like were kidnapped children. Yeah. To begin like, to begin with, and so it's like it's fascinating. Like as you're wa- like as you're watching it. Like, yeah, you see him fully, like, have fully embraced his culture, but then no one, I mean, like, they don't really explain to, like, because that's such, like, a like it was such a dramatic, like, we're making this deal and we're taking all of the children, including, I think, one who was pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't try to, like, they don't try to kind of bridge any any gap like we like we under like we understand that you have been out like that you were kidnapped and we're going to try to help you it was just like this direct we are take like we are taking you and we're putting you back with your original families and you're kind of you just have to go from there yeah some of them seem to like have lived their life there you know like I think some of them actually did kind of, like, fall in love and, like, get married. Um, Not to say they wouldn't want to go home, but they had kind of created a life in this new place. And then now, all of a sudden, it was like, nope, like, there's no exceptions. Everybody, it's split. Mm -hmm. There was, like, no integration allowed. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because they never even asked the people... (laughs) who were like the subjects of this, like what they wanted, like, Mm -hmm. would you like to try to return to your place of birth or would you like to stay where you are? Like nobody even considered what they wanted. Like you said, it was just a black and white, like, okay, now we've decided you're going back. Mm -hmm. Um, And historically, like that kind of thing really did happen on a lot of, um, I mean, I'm not, don't quote me. I'm not like an expert on this, but I do know that a lot of white captives who were held by Native American tribes did end up being like adopted and mm-hmm. you know were completely like treated like family members and became part of the culture and so then having to go back was really hard and no one like gave them a choice in the matter yeah it's odd yeah. it's a hard situation it would have been mm-hmm. nice if like they made that deal and then said okay who wants to come right and then if there yeah. were people that wanted to come well great they made the deal for them but yeah, it was just black and white. Yep. Very odd. Very that time, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright, any last minute thoughts before we move on to our Disney memory? Let's move on from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we did it! We talked way more than I thought we were going to about this, so pat on I, all of our backs. I can't believe how much we talked about it. Mm-hmm. That was good. Just proves Good we for have us. Some excellent guests on the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this week's Disney memory comes from Melissa Nink. That's a really cool last name. Yep. She says, "Hi Megan and Katie. 
Alright, so this isn't one of those heartwarming awe moments, so I wasn't really dying to share, but you guys said you needed memories, so here is a smile at least. <laughs> As a kid, my family visited California every summer. My aunt and uncle lived up in the mountains and were only about an hour and a half from Disneyland. Ha- hour and a half or half hour? Half arrow? Oh my gosh. So naturally, <laughs> so naturally, we went there quite a few times. One thing I remember very vividly is being about five years old and doing a Minnie Mouse meet and greet at Minnie's house. We were in the line waiting to meet her, and my dad kept pointing out all of the amazing things in her house. For whatever reason, he really honed in on those holographic cookies on a plate, <laughs> and he kept having me grab for them. We would crack up laughing every time either of us went to grab a cookie, and it wasn't really there. To this day, and I am now 24, every time there are cookies around, my dad and I will smile at each other and say, do you think those are real cookies? That's so cute. That's so cute. Such a simple thing, but I think it really gets at those family bonds you can create, even waiting in line at a Disney park. Signed, oh, I'm confused. Maybe it's a maiden name. Oh, okay. Signed, Missy, a grown-up Swisher kid. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Thank you for listening to both of our podcasts. Yes, thank you very much for your story. I think it was an awe moment and heartwarming. It was yeah, super that's cute. cute. Those are the memories that stick with you, and I like that you. It's like an everyday thing. Like it's an inside joke with your dad. You're gonna share it for forever. My mom and I yeah. have those mm-hmm. thanks to Disney vacations. Mm-hmm. It's great. That's mm-hmm. super cute. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your memory, and if any of our listeners out there would like to have their memory read on the show, just email us at grownupkidspodcast at gmail.com. It can be anything Disney-related, so just send it our way, and we'll be sure to feature it on a future episode. Yep. It's late. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're sucking in the world on that one. So, super big thank you to Jocelyn and Sam. Yes, thank you. Thank you for letting us push this back. I feel like we say this every episode. We didn't push it back days. We just pushed it back an hour. Yeah. (laughs) But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for bringing so much knowledge and awesomeness. Yeah, to our episode. We super appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So, we have an announcement to make. A what? So, this episode... Is out on November 25th. Mm-hmm. However, that is less than a week away from December 1st. And do you want to know what's starting on December 1st, Katie? I, I don't know. A countdown to Christmas? A countdown to Christmas with grown-up kids, Podmas. What is this Podmas you speak of? <laughs> we are going to release a podcast... Every day in December leading up to Christmas. And now that we're officially making this announcement on the podcast, it has to happen. I know. We have to do it. (laughs) So um, I will admit that this is partially a way to get us closer to better movies for (laughs) me. So we're going to just put out a ton of podcasts to get us into exciting times in the Disney era. We are going to catapult 25 weeks ahead of where we should be. (laughs) That's half a year. I know. In a month. Yep. Less than a month. Yep. Little side note, if anyone follows any vlogs, 
So a lot of vloggers will do Vlogmas. So yes. they'll release, you know, some vloggers are monthly, some are weekly, some are daily. But for Vlogmas, it's you release a vlog every day, December 1st through December 25th. So Meg had this idea, hey, let's do Podmas. Again, let's try and catapult through some of these movies that, you know, there are some really good ones. There are there. Sleeping Beauties during Podmas. 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. But, Pollyanna. Know, they're the Parent Trap. We got, what is that, four or five good ones for sure that are just off the top of our head? Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. But to get through some of the ones in the 50s, well, we're actually at the end of the 50s, through the 60s, 60s. and get to the other side of some more interesting movies that we're super excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we hope you're as excited as we are. Yes. That's it's my you. line. I'm sorry. Okay. So, Grown Up Kids can be found on Podbean, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. So, make sure you subscribe to us so you can get all these brand new Podmas episodes as soon as they are available. Um, you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook at Grown Up Kids a Disney Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Grown Up Kids Pod. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Grown Up Kids Pod. We have plans. For Patreon after Christmas. Yeah, we got a we got a little bit of a relaunch in 2019. So yeah, stay tuned. Um, you can also find a Facebook discussion group that we have. It's Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast group, and that is where I've posted a document with our list of movies that we're going to be watching, along with availability to be on the show with us. So make sure you check that out and just comment, email, or message us with what movies you're interested in joining us on, and I'll get you on the list. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure to watch White Wilderness ahead of the beginning of Podmas and December 1st episode. Send us a little bit of pixie dust because it's going to get nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget, adults are only kids grown up anyway. All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past, and here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future.